Hello everyone and welcome to episode 342 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How's it going today, Richard? Hey Seth, doing well. Finally, a full week without uh, without preview cards. <laughs> No new cards to talk about. That's a that is a rarity. That almost never happens. But it's a week without spoilers for once. But don't worry, it'll be coming soon with a Innistrad Midnight Hunt. But before we get into today's topic, we got another co-host in Krim. Good morning, Krim. How's it going today? Morning, Seth. Uh, I think I it goes well. I think I fixed my sleep schedule. I don't know. I'm not really sure. But <laughs> like the thing is, yeah. Uh, I I uh I had a full night's rest, so. <laughs> Nice. Uh, a full full night's rest is uh, is always a good thing. So, anyway, today we're kind of bouncing around. Like we said, there's no spoilers to talk about, but we have some interesting topics. We wanted to talk about uh, Jumpstart Historic Horizons being delayed. So we're gonna start off there. Want to talk a little bit about the price of modern thanks to Modern Horizons sets. Roping on Arena. Mark Rosewater released his State of Design article. So we're gonna talk about that too before getting to fish mail so bouncing here and there talking about tons of different magic stuff but before we get into all that a reminder that our show today is brought to you by card conduit and card conduit you've probably heard about them from us before they're a great way to sell your magic collection and they're offering a new service geared towards smaller batches of valuable cards with a reduced service fee with their curated shipment service you can sell your cards for the best available buy list price with only a five percent fee and as with all card conduit to his services you don't gotta sort your cards you don't gotta grade them nothing like that you just safely pack them up ship them out and they'll even send you a detailed report with the results so you can check out the card conduit curated shipment option as a way to buy list up to 150 cards with fast processing optimized prices and the low low service fee of just five percent and right now you can even get a 10 percent discount by heading over to cardconduit.com goldfish card conduit they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards so thank you so much to card conduit for supporting the show and uh, let's talk some magic let's start with some news that came out actually right after i think the day after we podcasted last week which historic horizons being delayed richard uh what, what's up with that what is uh what are the deets all right uh historic horizons uh the new digital exclusive magic arena set originally planned for august 10th uh that's past. That hasn't happened. Uh, it was moved to August 24th. So uh, two weeks uh, into the future. Uh, and then so what's, what's, what that means is the period between Historic Horizons and Innistrad, the new standard set, is now greatly released. Uh, Innistrad starts like the first week of September. Uh, so uh, yeah, that's happening. And then Wizards, along with his announcement, has a whole bunch of changes to like the events and and ranked and stuff like that that they were planning. That is now all put into chaos because they they had to delay Historic Horizons. Uh, but so uh, yeah, we, we're getting jumpstart a bit later than expected yeah jumpstart later and also also in Estrad a bit later than they originally announced too this hasn't been something that's been been talked about much uh, the paper release date didn't change but they also in the same article where they released uh the delay of historic horizons it also has the the updated date of Innistrad's release which is back to september 16th now when it was going to be september uh september 9th before so uh, they pushed back Innistrad digitally a little bit which i guess that's okay although a little bit awkward right now because people are just like counting down the days to rotation so <laughs> a little bit disappointing krim what do you think about this delay of historic horizons i know you were pretty hyped about it. i was pretty hyped about it too with all the new cards and new decks that i wanted to build uh what do you think well i mean i i, I okay it's okay if, like, the reason why they had to push everything back just because, like, the set doesn't work, right? Like, there's stuff that hasn't happened in Magic before. Like, the, the, would it call it whatever you will, but the Hearthstone cards, you know, all those mechanics, maybe that breaks the client. Sure. But I am a little bit bummed because they pushed it back to a point where now it overlaps with, like, a bunch of other things, which could potentially, like, kind of kill the hype a little bit, I guess. 
Because isn't it supposedly then spoiler season for Midnight Hunt starts right at the release now? Oh, yeah. it is, right? S- we don't know the official official date, but we do know that the 24th is their big uh, like preview stream for the next year of Magic sets. And I think yeah. everyone's assuming that the 26th or the 30th will be the start of uh, spoiler season officially. So maybe there's like a couple days before spoilers start, but it might be starting literally on the exact same day that Historic Horizons releases. So, yeah, it's going to be real close to spoiler season. So that pretty much means right as I'm like, I'm sure you, me and all of us here, we make content right for historic uh, jumpstart or whatever. Right as we're doing that, we'll have about like, what, about a week and then we'll have to just pretty much be through all the content and then be ready for Midnight Hunt, I think. So that that is a that's going to be a, a pickle, a bind. But I mean. If, if it has to happen, then I guess it has to happen. I was really excited to play with a lot of the new cards. I, I'm just, I'm hoping that the reason why is that they're going back and they're making sure everything works and isn't super buggy. Cause we haven't had this before, right? Like a lot of these kind of mechanics and stuff like that. So I'm very curious how they interact with the game. Yeah, there is new stuff that they've never done before. So I, I guess it makes sense that it maybe takes more work on their end than than other sets that are mostly like reusing mechanics or cards that we've seen in the past or very similar to other cards. My main disappointment was kind of like you. There was like if it released when it was supposed to on like August 10th or 12th or whatever it was, there's like a couple of weeks where there's no spoilers and I could just like build new historic decks and I was really looking forward to that. But now it's going to be during spoiler season or close to spoiler season so i'm going to be doing all that stuff so that was that was my biggest disappointment the other thing that kind of struck me is weird is like why happened within like a couple of weeks because remember this isn't some set that they announced like a year ago like most sets we know are coming for like six months or a year and we're kind of waiting they like announced this and did spoiler season kind of out of the blue just a couple of weeks ago like just way hey, all of a sudden there's this new set uh, and no one knew it was coming but then within like a couple of weeks like by the time spoilers ended they're having to delay it that's a, a little bit concerning i i'm starting to wonder if just with the pace of releases both in digital and in paper like uh, maybe Wizards is having a hard time keeping up with it. Like, I, I feel bad for, like, the devs and stuff. Like, that is, it seems like a lot of work. And it, with so many products coming up, maybe we've talked about how uh, we sometimes struggle with the pace of, like, just new sets and new products. Maybe Wizards is struggling with that, too. Uh, do you think there's any chance they're just, like, having a hard time keeping up with all the sets they're making at this point? 100%. I mean, that's that's kind of like what... Uh, we had touched upon last week with the announcement of Midnight Hunt and all that stuff. And it was mostly just that, like, okay, this is, I don't mind the, like, like just perpetually being in spoiler season. I, as long as it doesn't, like, you know, come at a cost of, like, all right, well, are they shorthand, are, are they short staffed on all this stuff, right? Cause can, can Watsy themselves keep up? with their release schedule. And it sounds like if that maybe, maybe now there's just so many things going on that they can't and that might be problematic. So, I mean, I, I hope cause like, you know, the devs are going to be under a lot of pressure and whatnot. Hopefully the group, like the, you know, the entire arena team grows, uh, this w- and, and there's just a bunch of people working on the game with them because yeah, we're always in spoiler season now. I'll, yeah. I'll give you guys a secret to, uh, a software business and uh, team management. Usually, adding people to the team does not help. Really? <laughs> um, I they're, they're kind of screwed. So they can't add people now. That definitely will not help, right? They can add people now for hopes of like in a year they're faster, right? So there's always a big delay. Uh, more chefs in the kitchen when your kitchen is non-functional does not help at all. Uh, but yeah, I guaranteed the cars didn't work or they were like yeah we could do it or maybe someone even promised without even checking with the devs that they could do it in this time frame but they were like oh boy none of these cars work we need to push it back two weeks um will it launch successfully i don't know will we have like the moto special where we launch and we're like these six cards are disabled uh wait for them (laughs) they'll come in the future i i don't know but 
yeah, it's it's guaranteed the Hearthstone mechanics are something new. And, you know, Wizards struggles with just adding random cards, right? <laughs> like, a new set comes out, it shouldn't be that hard. Uh, they struggle with adding those cards anyway, so when a new set has something very, very different, uh, they're in for a good time. So, I feel for the devs, uh, but I, I don't know. But, like, it's I don't know why Wizards couldn't foresee this, why they don't ramp up their digital team if... They're having explosive growth driven by digital and arena. Like why their digital team seems to always be struggling. Like that seems weird. But as players, the, the one single benefit we got from this is uh, three free drafts from uh, Abenkep Remastered, Kaladesh Remastered, and Ikoria in theory to help you prep for the upcoming Historic. Uh, so yeah, I guess three free drafts. Woo! I mean that that is something at least which which is nice like so I, I'm glad that they did some sort of compensation one thing that occasionally drives me crazy with arenas they like to uh, give out compensation that's just like progress uh, and the mastery tree which <laughs> is like oh here's some XP and I'm like I didn't even buy like I didn't even buy the the mastery pass this time so I've already completed my me. tree <laughs> yeah so so getting so getting drafts is at least that's a that's a nice gesture the other thing that got wrecked by this was they have a big tournament coming up, the, the MPL and Rivals Gauntlet, the first week uh, in September. And it was supposed to be historic with all the new cards from Historic Horizons. But because of this, they switched it to standard. So it's like three days and 12 rounds of standard, like a w during the middle of spoiler season, like a week before rotation. I expect it to be like the least popular tournament they've ever run. And maybe at this point it doesn't matter because they're pulling the plug on all that anyway. But I would have been actually pretty excited to see what the pros did with New Historic. But I have <laughs> zero interest in watching a huge tournament the last week of, of standard before rotation. So a little bit, a little bit unfortunate there as well. I thought MPL was done. Like, when is yeah. the official ending of it? Hold on. It's, yeah, it's, I thought tournament life was done. Uh, yeah, it's like ending after the season or something. So they're just kind of like, it's the lame duck thing. They're just kind of like playing out the string and everyone knows it's ending, but they are finishing What's... off what they were had already started, basically. Okay. It's, uh, it's weird. That's, that's a little weird. Maybe they should just <laughs> announce it when it finishes rather than having, you know, you know, like when you're out of contention for the rest of the year and you start putting in your C squad and like playing yeah. stuff. You know what I mean? Like it's a little awkward. It's a little awkward. Uh, anyway, let's uh, let's move on and, and hit up another topic. A topic I actually just wrote an article on. You can read it over at mtgoldfish.com. It went up yesterday, which is the, the price of modern. So I love Modern Horizons. Like, seriously, Modern Horizons, Modern Horizons 2 are two of my favorite sets that Wizards has ever made. I actually like the upheaval of modern i know there's concerns about it like rotating the format and making people buy new decks which those are legitimate but as someone who mostly pays with a loan program on magic online and can easily switch decks i love all the new cards all the new archetypes all the changes so in general i'm a huge fan of modern horizons however i was looking at our metagame page this week and i was seeing a lot of decks that were like 1300 1500 and just a couple of years ago that was like jun territory like you you'd look at the metagame page and you see a bunch of you know 500 800 maybe a thousand dollar decks and then you'd have jun that was like 1500 1700 some absurdly high price but it was pretty rare for decks to be you know over a thousand dollars and significantly over now we're at a point where modern is incredibly expensive uh, the average deck price is somewhere around eleven hundred dollars for the tw uh, top 12 most played decks in the format so if you want to get like a legitimate tier one deck and the biggest reason isn't that wizards isn't reprinting cards it's that these new modern horizon cards are incredibly expensive you have force and negation you got ragavan you got renin six these are four of constructed staples that are costing four hundred dollars a playset or something that's a huge huge cost and a huge increase to deck prices so that's something i've been i've been thinking about and wondering about and i wanted your opinion on it like is it worth it like is, is the upsides of modern horizons and the fun is it worth it considering the drawback of the format getting even more expensive i'm just afraid we're like heading on this legacy trajectory where if modern is going to be fifteen hundred two thousand dollars to buy a top tier deck 
yikes that's going to price a lot of people out of the format and you know eventually you're going to see what happens to legacy and vintage where because people can't afford to play the format it kind of has this negative snowball where eventually less and less people play because less people play there's less support and then pretty soon you have you know it exists on magic online but that's really all that vintage is or legacy is at this point so what do you guys think about the increase in prices in modern brought about by modern horizon sets well I mean, that, that is definitely a concern, right? Considering that like, even a simple deck like control or, or, or mill is like now getting like uh, over a thousand dollars, right? So, uh, but the, the thing here is I, with, with these supplemental sets, these sets like example, modern horizons, modern horizons two and, and, you know, modern masters, whatever, right? Uh, all, all these things, they kind of make it so that it, 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 modern goes on sale like in a windows right so the fetch lands come out everything else around the fetch lands go up because everybody has the lands now they want to buy into the game so the the lands get a little cheap and then i guess up next we're just now i hope they reprint ragavan and they reprint that stuff and that stuff gets like the tarmogoyf treatment which would then cost make it cost less and then I'm assuming when that costs less, then the lands go back up. So you'll, they'll just have to, they're always going to be behind the curve, but they've got to keep reprinting these cards to keep the prices down if they want to make it so that the format is actually accessible. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even sure. I know in the past, I think we strongly needed more reprints, and I still think we yeah. need more reprints. Oh, so definitely. more reprints, the better. Like, that is never going to complain about reprints. But at the same time, like, a lot of these problems, like, it's hard to reprint Ragavan when it's, like, currently in print and, like, a month old. <laughs> like, like that's, that's a little silly because it's like you can go and buy a box. Like, the card is available. The set is available. I think that the other thing that Wizards should really strongly consider doing is bumping down the the rarity of some of the mythics in the set. Like, I think it's really hard for me to find a justification based on the traditional definition of mythics as being like these big splashy spells and not just, you know, the most competitive constructed cards of the set, but cards like Ragavan or even like endurance uh, yeah, ren and six gets a pass because that's a planeswalker and those are always mythics but like season pyromancer these kind of like four of utility cards they aren't big and splashy they're just good on rate and they're cheap and they're efficient i really think it would go a long way if wizards would start putting those at rare rather than mythic because i think that's one of the big issues is the supply of those cards is just pretty low because they're at mythic and the box prices are so high that that allows the those mythics to have even a higher price tag because the the boxes are just so much more expensive than a normal set i mean it's all wizards design right i, I actually think ragavan is a mythic like the card does a lot of things and it does a lot of weird things and i think it is mythic worthy it's just not worthy of its price tag right wizards could fix this by putting it uh you know making like say modern horizons to a normally priced set right like a, a standard set putting it in other products uh stuff like that but they they chose not to right and the biggest problem like, I'm out of the paper modern game, right? Because here, here's the problem, right? So, like Krim said, when Horizon sets, or not Horizon sets, when Master sets come around, uh, certain cards go on a discount. Uh, for example, Fetch Lands. Uh, you could pick those up, right? And what happens is, like, every card around that card will go up in price, right? So, if you're, like, eyeing, say, Death Shadow, and you want, like, say, Street Wraith or something... Uh, when they reprint Street Wraith, like, Bobble goes to, like, a billion dollars. So you wait for the Bobble to get reprinted. It goes down, and then something else skyrockets. And then your price, the price of your deck is always the same. Uh, and that was kind of accepted. But now what's happening is the metagame shifts so fast, right? Now that it takes you, like, a year to assemble your Death Shadow deck, it may no longer be relevant, right? And maybe now you need to pick up a playset of Ragavans. Or force of negations or whatever, right? And you're just basically endlessly chasing this. And the result is you get no discount, right? You want the deck, you need to buy it now, right? You need to pay whatever thousand dollars and then call it a day. You can't really pick up the pieces in like little chunks because something else in your deck will go up in price and then they'll print a new staple. And then maybe Hammer Time is the best deck for some reason, right? Like you don't know what's going on. It changes too fast now. So... You just got to 
suck it up and take the hit and get the deck if you really want it, right? Yeah, and I mean, I, modern just might be modern might just be very very expensive, and that's just going to always be the case, right? Like, but th- this will just have to be like I guess how legacy was, except for you can actually get reprints and stuff like that. Uh, so that, but that those is were nice. stable, right? Like theoretically five years ago, you, you paid like through the roof for your legacy deck and it was good for like four or five years. Like, yeah. That, that was back in the day, right? But nowadays you're like, I need, I need the latest standard cards, right? <laughs> like I, I need all the latest standard cards such that I can compete. And those standard cards are like mythics, right? And you have to pay, you know, to upgrade your deck with a set of Bragavons is like what? Like three hundred dollars or like something. Four, right? yeah, I I don't even have Ragavan, yeah. so I just <laughs> I don't even play them. <laughs> I can't because yeah. I just can't I, justify buying monkeys. <laughs> yeah, I feel like a few years ago you could actually make a pretty strong argument that even though the deck prices were a lot higher, modern was actually the cheaper format to play in the long run because you buy your Jund or your Affinity or your whatever Splinter Twin, a, a deck that you know is top tier, has been for a long time, probably will be for a long time, and then you make some, you know, small upgrades, you know, Fatal Push comes out, and you add Fatal Push into your removal suite or whatever. You get a new random Spell Pierce effect that you can play in your Splinter Twin deck, but without, like, putting in a ton more money, you would have a competitive deck that you could play for a number of years. I think that has definitely changed now. Like, uh, the meta changes really quickly, and it changes really severely. Like, if you look at the modern meta game page right now, it's a whole bunch of new decks. Like, many of the top decks in the meta are essentially Modern Horizons 2 decks. You have the Is It Tempo decks with Dragon Rage Channeler and with the Monkey. You got the Elemental Evoke decks. You got the Cascade Crashing Footfall decks. Mill is another deck that kind of came out of uh, out of nowhere. So the metagame is very, very different. So I think the days are gone when you could be like, okay, it costs a ton of money, but I'm going to be able to use this deck for a long time. Because at this point, between bannings and new cards being printed, there really is no guarantee. Even if you buy one of those traditionally good decks like Jund or something, uh, there's no guarantee it's going to remain good and even if it does there's still going to be a big cost jund is a great example of this like you buy your jund deck and you're like okay spent fifteen hundred dollars but i got a deck that i can play in modern for the next five years but then a year later renin six comes out and you got to spend four hundred dollars to get a place at a renin six if you want your jund deck to be competitive or i guess you could play strangle root geist instead but most people uh go with the renin six plan and then a year after that two years after that you have ragavan that comes out and you're like okay now i got to spend three or four hundred dollars to have ragavan to actually have a competitive version of jund so even if your deck is still playable the upgrades cost a lot of money control decks had to buy four force negations that's four hundred dollars for like a relatively slight upgrade but one that you really need to be able to compete in the format yeah i, I remember remember the last grand prix vegas we went to where i hit you with grim player crim <laughs> <laughs> but that was like i don't know what that was like circa 2015 John. Yeah. Like, Let, let's update right like modern horizons one just came out and i'm like to update my deck costs like a thousand dollars i think uh i think we're gonna play grim players instead here and you know like it's <laughs> It's expensive, and it's really hard. Like, I I think Modern is a digital-only format now, right? Like, you play on Moto with a loan program such that you can swap into the latest tech. And and Modern is so unforgiving. Like, you don't have, like, a force of will to fall back on, right? Like, you actually need a strong deck to, like, keep up. And and it's, it's like, I don't know. It's, It's very expensive, and you need to be meta. So I think... Being on Magic Online makes it really easy to swap in and out of cards. Using loan programs makes it really easy to swap in and out of cards. So you can always keep up to date and, you know, not be be, be stuck with like some weird formerly tier one deck now as a tier five deck. Where where do internal formats go in paper, do you think? I think that's a bigger concern. I agree that it's way easier on Magic Online, but with Paper Magic coming back and a lot of desire for Papal Magic, I don't think that's going away. We have Legacy and Vintage, which are fringe formats because they're way too expensive. We have Modern, which is getting more and more expensive to actually play and maintain a collection. And then we have Pioneer, which isn't really supported or super popular right now. 
where does that leave us for 60 card form or does does it not matter now and paper's just all about you know playing commander and it doesn't really matter about these other formats but what do you think like are we on a bad trajectory for 60 card competitive formats and paper at this point outside of standard uh, that's that's tough i don't know a lot of that's like seems like it's like a lot of speculation so i can't really uh you know that that that's a tough one we play casual yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we play like hey you want to play 2015 jund versus like 2017 tron like we're all like tier five decks nowadays but let's are, go are we rule zeroing in modern is that what's up <laughs> i don't want to play against tron I, I don't want to play it's like you. if you play vintage right like chances are the person you're playing doesn't have like the perfect deck right like there's probably budget allowances in there or proxies or something right unless you're actually playing at like a high stakes tournament so we're gonna end up with the same thing right where i'm playing suboptimal jund or i'm playing suboptimal control or something because i didn't want to pay for the whatever latest cards right and hopefully my opponent is also playing a suboptimal deck and then we just play and we have a good time like is that it and if you're a tournament player trying to like you know win a grand prix then that's part of your cost to like rotate your modern deck like every season right how much does the suboptimal part bother you guys so i've never had to deal with that too much just because i always play a moto so i can always have whatever cards i want thanks to loan programs like when you play jund with grim flare over ren and six or whatever are you drawing grim flare and being like oh my god that should really be a ren and six or is it or is it just fine like does it bother you to play suboptimal decks because of uh, for budget reasons I've been playing Jun for years, Seth. Yes. You're fully powered. I don't know what you're talking about, right? You're like, I play Tarmogoyf. You win the game with an Earl, right? I don't know, right? It's like, you kind of have to just accept it, right? Like, I was like, the alternative is I play Uro, and I can't I can't do that. So Tarmogoyf will, will have to do, right? So Control has been, just, much like Jun, has just been suboptimal forever in modern so like i i it's just now where it's like whoa control's like kind of respectable right like okay it's it's able to fight you know the the big meta that is modern so i've always had the suboptimal cards stuff matter matter of fact i mean when i first met richard i was playing something ridiculous and suboptimal <laughs> i think i met him at an fnm and i was playing blue black control and i was on mystical teachings getting up torrential gear hulk and i thought that I was funny gear hulks me in modern yeah <laughs> goodness <laughs> this is happening and then i remember richard just going wait can jun kill this <laughs> But I asked that to all my opponents, though. Yeah, yeah, also fair. <laughs> fair. I'm like, wait. <laughs> you can do that? That's allowed? <laughs> uh, all right, let's 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 keep moving on. We got, a, we got another good topic here with uh, Magic Arena. So there's been a bit of a conversation in the community in the last couple days about roping on Arena. Uh, and more specifically, <laughs> the idea of, like, roping on Arena... Uh, not accidentally or not even necessarily like at the end of the game when your opponent gets a lucky top deck and your opponent ropes for the last turn, but roping from at the beginning of the game because you don't like the decks that your opponent's playing as a way to kind of like punish your opponents. Is that something that either of you have run into? Like how big of a problem is roping on arena? Uh, so is it a problem? And is there anything we can do about it? Because I haven't run into it super often, but when it does happen with how the timeout system works, especially if it's in the late game and your opponent's been able to save up a few timeouts, you got to sit there for quite a while to burn through all the ropes before uh, before it ends. So what do you guys think about roving at Arena? Man, uh, while OK, filming content, streaming, all of it, right? Like while that, like you're doing all of that, you're going to run into a roper. I feel like almost every third match I have now, maybe my rate's a bit higher because the decks I like playing, uh, but, but I do. You're very ropeable, Grim. Oh, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely feel like it, it, no matter what the format is, if it's historic brawl, if it's whatever, I am, I am always happy to get roped. <laughs> because i live for that i am thriving and i am feeding off the sodium of the roping player i love it i i i it's obviously bad form and i understand why people don't like it but i i would never do it 
but if, if it happens to me, oh, ch- like my chat knows, you know, anyone who's watched my YouTube content has seen it because, oh, I, I make sure I make sure we, we put that match in the video because <laughs> <laughs> I am having the time of my life. I get to practice my dad jokes. I get to do all this stuff. I get to talk to chat, you know, like the, I don't know why people do it. I, I don't know why people do it. It's like, just, just leave, just leave. I mean, if you, if you aren't having a good time or if there's a commander you're sitting across that you're upset about, just leave. Like, like you don't have to play. <laughs> if you, if you rope, only thing you're doing is on the other side is just, you're getting me who's cackling like maniacally and, and just like seriously loving it every second of it. <laughs> I, I guess that is a good way to defeat ropers. If you like it, that does kind of defeat the whole purpose because people obviously do it to try to make you like salty or punish you. So if it's, you're not getting salty or feeling punished and you're having a good time, then I guess roping can't really affect you. Yeah, I, I'm never phased by roping. I'm usually just like, please rope. Honestly, if I could give you my timeouts, I would. <laughs> what, what about you? What about you, Richard? I mean, it is so incredibly toxic. Right? Oh, and. Yeah. I wizards definitely needs to do something about it and so I'll give you a secret if you ever find me in a match anywhere moto arena whatever if you slow play slow enough I will concede right even in ranked (laughs) even in a paid event right like it's not worth my time to sit through this right like it's just not worth my time right I'd rather concede and play the next match and I'll probably end up like making you know climbing the ladder faster than sitting through someone who's like just like roping every turn uh or when you know i guess if they're really salty and roping before they lose i'll wait that one out but you know slow play roping when you don't need to be roping like double queuing triple queuing like doing the dishes in the middle of your match or whatever (laughs) right like these should not be allowed right there should be a way to report players or uh either like ban them outright or just have them face each other right like if you like to rope the roping queue yeah (laughs) go to the roping queue right like yeah whatever right i don't care like but it's really bad look if i you know sign in play arena and then everyone's just roping every turn and i'm like oh yeah i'm not doing anything it's wasting my time i don't know what you're doing like you're wasting your time so there should be a report function there should be an automatic way where wizards uh, you know, if the board state is empty and they're roping, right, and they're roping every turn, or let's say they're alt-tabbed out, right, is there ever a real reason to be alt-tabbed out and roping? Uh, Wizards should just, like, give you some kind of mark on your account, put you in the roping queue, and then ban you eventually just to clean it up. And this happens in all games, right? Like, yeah, uh, League of Legends, Fortnite, whatever. Like, there's always people, there's, there's like, always holding the, the, the lobby hostage, right? Yeah. And, it's a big struggle, but Wizards should do something about it. I mean, yeah, like the, I, it, it's pretty absurd that I think does the best of one queue even have a timer anymore? Like I, there's not a visible right. one. I don't think there is a clock in best of one. Yeah, yeah, that that is a little upsetting, right? I mean, for for some people who just want to play, and it's like, sorry, dude, I I dunked you. I mean, that why why are you so mad right now? <laughs> but like. <laughs> But like for for others, they do have places to be, right? Stuff like that. So I think uh, ropers and stuff like that really do are are a little bit of a stain on the game. So <laughs> so I I honestly don't know why they don't add a timer into best of one, uh, a visible one at least. And then I don't know why. Yeah, like much like Richard said, I don't know why they don't have a, a way to report that. I'd like to report a bug. My opponent. My opponent is the bug. <laughs> so <laughs> I actually really like the idea of having slow players queue against each other because that's kind of what they're doing with this new historic brawl thing where they're like, oh, we're going to unban Golos, which everyone hates and super busted. But don't worry, we're going to take care of it with matchmaking. So if you're not playing, you know, a busted Golo style deck, you won't have to play against Golos at all or very often because they're all going to battle against each other. I don't know why you couldn't do that by like monitoring the pace at which someone normally plays on their account. And if you're someone who usually plays really slow or you're roping consistently, uh, dump them into a, you know, a, a match against someone else who plays that same play style. And, and then uh, the people who are, you know, focused and trying to play at a reasonable pace don't have to deal with it as often. I, it drives me crazy when people do it. Like I, I definitely is annoying for sure. I try to look 
uh, on the positive side and think, okay, maybe, you know, this person had an emergency or something came up or arena has a bug or their internet went out instead of just thinking like, oh, what a, what a jerk, uh, which is kind of the natural impulse when someone does that. So I try to look on the positive side, but uh, the idea of people like talking about just like straight up, if I don't like the deck that you're playing, I'm just going to rope you from the very start of the game. Uh, uh, that's that's uh, that's brutal like I, I can get why someone you play a long game and it's really close and your opponent gets the perfect top deck and they beat you it's immature obviously and wrong and toxic to rope there but I can see that impulse you got salty something went wrong in game and you're upset and that leads to you roping just roping from the very start of the game though ugh, like that's that seems especially <laughs> you're upset toxic from the previous game so you carry it into <laughs> you're still <laughs> salty you got you got you know you got you you played a salty deck and then now your next opponent has the same salty deck right so now what do you do so i i, I think it shouldn't be encouraged like even the Just, salty rope at the end like nah <laughs> right yeah, like that's oh that's wrong like, too close, I, didn't, I was arena and like you know be sad but like you know don't take it out on like innocent other people right <laughs> yeah, no, that is that is just that is just as toxic. But I can understand the impulse more than the like, oh, I fire up a game and don't. Because if you fire up a game and you don't like the deck, just scoop. Like it costs you nothing. It's arena. It doesn't cost you any amount of dollars to just concede and fire up another game and hopefully run into a deck that you do want to play against or that you don't mind playing against and have a good time. Because when it comes down to it, we play magic to have fun. And I just do not understand how sitting there intentionally roping because you don't like your opponent's deck can can meet that definition of fun like it seems like you're hurting yourself just as much as you're you're trying to hurt your opponent or whatever so just concede there's nothing wrong with conceding like i do it sometimes i i fire up and i'm trying to like record and i hit rogues for the fourth time in a row and i'm just like okay like i've i've done this a few times so i'm just going to concede and like hit the you know play match button again and hopefully it won't be rogues this time and there's nothing wrong with that but just don't try to punish your opponents by roping that's so it's just silly and immature and toxic so i hope wizards does something to improve it because it's been an issue since the game started and it's not going away and the timing system of arena i think ends up making it worse in some ways compared to some other games i think the timing system is necessary like the ability to build up timeouts because there are like legitimate games with big boards where i burned through two or three timeouts just trying to figure out an attack or figure out you know something like that in the late game so i do think you need that system but that system also ends up giving people who want a salty rope a uh, a big uh, head up essentially to really stick it to their opponents or attempt to I mean, there's always available. You have the Murdo five-minute timeout, right? Like the the disconnect, the rage, pull my modem out of my computer, <laughs> right? We're going back old school with that, right? So that there's always a way for that. Uh, but yeah, I, I think. And then I, I also think so. This is where it's important that content creators and other people of high status in the community should not encourage this behavior they should not engage in it uh, because it allows other people to copy right like they see ah oh, you know my biggest content creator uh that i follow does it it must be okay if i do it right or it's funny when they do it so i'll do it too so i think this is where setting a good example would help and then obviously if watsi uh could do anything about it Wait, what do you guys think about legit roping like DoorDash came. <laughs> you, you have to go away, but there's no chat. You can't oh. tell your opponent, like, oh, hold on. Like, you know, like, my, my roommate fell. I need to go help them or something, right? Like, shit, would chat help at all? No, go. <laughs> we think If we think the rope is toxic, you add chat into the game. Oh, well, <laughs> I, let's just go with this. We've, we've been around water cooler <laughs> magic talk, you know, so I, I, I get I get how upset magic players can get. Uh, but, and, and for me, I've I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I'm so used to the Internet and online play that to me, I always assume it's the worst. It's very rarely 
you, like when you assume for the better, like, oh, maybe they had to like, you know, help somebody at the door. Right. Or, or, or something like that. It's How very, about old lady crossed yeah, the street. They were, quick. they were not doing that. They weren't doing their dishes. They weren't doing anything. The only thing that, that like they're doing is crying into something. And probably that that's the only thing I could believe. They're crying into some, some object. And that's why they left the computer, but they're probably crying because of you. And so, and like having played like League of Legends, all those games. Oh. Oh, I, I am so happy there is no chat. Usually, you're always informed. Let's just go, to put it nicely, if there was a chat, there's always some form of, you know, like, their relationship with a, a parent figure of ours, and, and you know, we're always, I'm often, often told about that if in, in games with chats. So, you know, I'm just happy we don't have that, and I don't have to deal with that, so... And also... I- I don't, I don't mind the rope. I, I, I do think they should, like, you know, pu- like, punish people for it, because I don't think roping is okay, but, like, if, if, if you run into me, you can rope as much as you want. Hell, I'll give you my ropes. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I can, I'm fine with legitimate roping. I think there are times when stuff comes up, I've had times where I've ordered some food, and the food comes, and, like, what are you going to do other than, like, run, try to get your food real quick and so make it back rare. before your ropes run out? Like, it's... That's it, so Like, I feel rare. a little bad when it happens, but it does happen. It is rare. It does happen every once in a while. Personally, I would be okay with an opt-in style chat, kind of like Magic Online has, where chat is there for people who want it, but you don't have to have chat. Because I do think being able to say, I have it happen on Moto, like, semi-regularly, where someone's like, hey, you know, I'm sorry, I gotta run grab this, I'll be right back. And it does make me much less frustrated than if I'm just sitting there for two or three minutes thinking, you know, what's you already the deal have with that. this opponent? You already have chat. It's, it's, if you click on your portrait, you say your go. That's chat. <laughs> I don't, I don't think that. I don't think do that's exactly exactly the same. Maybe they could add a <laughs> I'm not salty roping button that you click. I'm for legit reasons. Don't ban yes, me. The legit rope button. Imagine like a Teferi avatar or something. Hey, I'm not salt roping. BRB. Or just they could add a BRB emote. Yeah. But then again, so I, I can see that getting abused too immediately. BRB. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah maybe there's no no good solution oh <laughs> uh, yeah so just don't just don't do it don't do it don't don't rope people just scoop go on to the next game think of your opponent who's also trying to have fun playing magic so that would that would be my advice just just don't do it it's very easy not to do unless you're against me once again you can cry as much as you want against me <laughs> I'll give you yeah, the show. Crim, crim relishes it. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be uh, often met with the laughing beholder emote. <laughs> it's either that one or my personal favorite to BM back with is uh, everyone grab a leg. <laughs> That's all I say every time when I get a roper. Uh, all right, let's let's move on to our last non-fish mail topic, which is Mark Rosewater's State of Design 2021 article, which actually just came out today. Every year, Mike Rosewater, for the last 15 years, has wrote a column going over magic design for the year and actually going set by set. And there's some interesting stuff about from his perspective and thereby Wizards perspective, what they think went well this year, what they think didn't go well based on whatever data they have, based on the feedback of the community. So, Richard, uh, why don't you guide us through this state of design article a little bit? All right. Uh, It's a fairly long article, so you can check it on Daily MTG. But we'll go over some of the highlights. Uh, And you could also compare previous years to to see how they they stack up. But for uh, this year, highlights for overall magic design. A lot of magic was purchased and played. Uh, this was the, the best year for Magic in terms of sales, uh, both physical and digital. Uh, so despite COVID and the pandemic, Magic had its best year ever. Uh, I think it was a strong year for design resonance. Uh, set boosters were a hit. Uh, so those are the three highlights. The three lessons they had were we need to get better at extending our mechanical themes between sets. Uh, so people complaining where they they had a cool mechanic and then they never saw it ever again. Uh, Modal double-faced cards didn't give the year the cohesiveness I was hoping for. 
so MDFCs were the theme that went through all the sets this year, but he felt it didn't do its job. Throne of Eldraine, so strong, it didn't let others shine. Disclaimer was Mark is not responsible for this, but he had to throw it in here because he knew that everyone would be talking about this. <laughs> I mean, that, it is true. That is also the biggest complaint that I have I have heard about Wait. <laughs> magic design in the past year. Throne of Eldraine wasn't even that good, though. What do you yeah, mean? Yeah, it was fine. It was fine. It wasn't even that good. So, so question, just uh, out of this overall stuff, my big question was, I mean, well, obviously it's great that Magic is doing well and more has been purchased than ever, even during the pandemic. That's super impressive and encouraging, I guess. What do you think about the set booster thing? I, I have heard mostly mixed reactions on set boosters. Do you think they actually are? a hit like do you consider set boosters to be a hit because i kind of have considered them to be mediocre maybe trending towards a bit of a flop compared to being a hit i i kind of buy them over basic boosters so i just treat them as the new booster i kind of forget there's a base draft booster to be honest because i never play limited right so since i don't play limited I don't really know, right? Like, I, I don't know what... The the fact that they try to make it flavorful and, like, put, like, hey, the fireworks are at this part of the pack, that doesn't matter to me. I just go right to the... <laughs> like, yeah, okay, do I have a good card? No, I've opened another useless green card. Okay. So, <laughs> like, that, but I do buy them. I, tr- I treat the set boosters because they are the ones that come with, like, the variant artworks, right? Like, or, like I guess have a higher probability. I don't really know. Uh, but the thing here is I've just treated them as as the go-to set booster now. Or uh, not set booster because they're a set booster, but, you know. <laughs> for the set. For the set. For the set. <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. I think that's working as Wizards intended, right? Like, nobody really knows what's in a set booster, including Wizards, if you read their documentation. <laughs> yeah. But they're supposed to be... Like, better draft boosters if you don't draft, right? And then with the ultimate being collector boosters where you can get the the, the most um, different treatments. Uh, so it looks like it's working. I, I don't know, right? There's no way to tell us other than, like, store sales data, right? Like, when a random person comes in the store, do they buy draft boosters or set boosters? And I, I know from looking at WPN uh, materials that they are highly pushing set boosters that set boosters are the ones store should be recommending to like a random person that comes in that doesn't know what they're doing uh so it looks like it's working although it's not really visible to us in any way right like only wizard sales uh data can tell us yeah it's definitely interesting uh to see that transition i I don't know. I've opened a few set boosters and I haven't been overly impressed with them, but I guess I also have started opening more collector's boosters if I'm going to open booster packs. And and maybe uh, compared to collector's boosters, it's just hard for set boosters to hold up because uh, collector's boosters just have so much sweet stuff in them. Uh, so something would, else. Would you, oh, would you like 2x set boosters or like one collector boosters? Like whatever the equivalent value in price is. Uh, yeah. Which would you prefer to open or draft? Oh. Draft and, boosters. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So not. Geez, it'd probably be collector boosters. Honestly, it varies a little bit based on set, and I put a late, lot of weight on EV and and what's going to offer the most value. But everything equal, I would open one collector booster box over two set booster boxes. I think. So something else that's mentioned in this article a couple of times that I thought was interesting, uh, because Mark Rosewater also goes set by set through all the sets released this year. He mentions under Commander Legends and also Modern Horizons 2, the players love the the callbacks and the flavor callbacks and these old legendary characters that are getting cards again or for the first time. That's come up, and I think he's loved both times. If you read the article, he has, like, enjoyed, liked, and loved. So I'm assuming loved <laughs> is, like, the strongest of those, uh, of those categories. What do you think about the fact that in this age of like new players and in this age of arena and in this age of everything changing, one of the things that went the most right for Magic in the past year is really old stuff, like callbacks to old cards, old legends, nostalgia. We saw that a little bit with Time Spire Remastered too. Like 
should wizards be doing more of that like even in this new age where we're trying to do all this fresh new different digital only crazy stuff is the most successful part of magic like calling back to cards from 20 years ago that most arena era players probably don't even know exist honestly i mean i think it's pretty cool right like having callbacks and stuff like that uh, i mean like example like seeing uh Nivinial himself and him and in the art you know his disc is around his neck. So I, I, I do think that's pretty sweet. Uh, and, and it kind of shows you a little bit more about the, the lore of magic. So uh, I like that. I, I, I love it too. It's, it was one of my favorite parts of the past year. It's just seems odd to me because there's so many newer players who wouldn't get it. Like the Neveneral only makes sense if you know Neveneral's disc. And if you're a new player, why would you even know Neveneral's disc? And that's maybe one of the more common ones, because disc does see some commander play. Some of the some of the callbacks, like I didn't even get to like just random old like mentioned in the flavor text on a card from Homelands or something. And and then all of a sudden it's like referenced again in Modern Horizons 2 or in Time Star Remastered. What what do you think, Richard? Yeah, I, I think it's a freebie. Like, why wouldn't they do it? So either you make up a brand new character that nobody knows, or you use Niven Roll, right? Which has some backstory. You can build the world. Uh, I really like it because it gives you an excuse to play the old card, right? You can play new Niven Roll and then, like, throw the disc into your deck. Uh, so I actually really like it, and I think it's a very important part. Like, we, we keep talking about, like, Realms Beyond and all this stuff, but, like, the magic world is very important right and the ability to call back to something iconic like a shivan dragon um or just like some random character like someone may have played with in like you know 1999 or 2005 i think is one of the strengths of magic over uh some of the newer games so i think they should keep doing it as long as it makes sense and it's not forced for no reason uh, but, you know, as long as they give the characters like good treatment, their abilities are on flavor and it makes some kind of sense. Uh, I think they should keep doing it. Uh, one other thing before we hit fish mail that I wanted to ask you based on this article is uh, the Forgotten Realm stuff is kind of interesting because that's the first crossover set we've had. And it's not exactly Universes Beyond, but it's it's a little bit similar to Universes Beyond, where we're kind of like going into a different world, but doing it a magic set. And one of the lessons that Mark has is that the set was super polarizing. It created a very polar response where you had people who absolutely loved it, but then you had people who absolutely hated it. And it was interesting because some of the people hated it because they just don't like the idea of magic cards using other IPs, essentially. But then there was also people who really loved D&D who also disliked it because it didn't include their favorite character or Terrascu or whatever. It wasn't powered up enough to <laughs> you know, be the Dean. Terrask <laughs> isn't powered up enough to be the real D&D <laughs> monster. Do you think that is a potential problem for universes beyond where you have magic, some magic players who dislike it just because it's universes beyond and then you're going to have some lord of the rings fans or warhammer fans or whatever the crossover is they're going to dislike it because they're going to feel like you didn't do their thing justice basically you left out this character that really should have been there or this one wasn't powerful enough or this or that like is there any i don't know potential issues you see from that moving forward with universes beyond in the near future i i this is one of the weird things, right? Because design team would have to also know the IP and love the IP, right? So imagine like you're working on the design team and you're like, well, I don't really like Lord of the Rings. Can you imagine not liking Lord of the Rings? Totally, right? Uh, and so, Seriously. Yes. That's greatest that's, movie of all time. Yeah, one of my hours favorites. Of oh, it. God, yeah. Love it. <laughs> um, so, whew. Uh, but yeah, like if everyone on the team has to like the IP... You know what I mean? Like that, 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 I feel like they have to be on board with the IP in order to design the card well. So there is a concern where, like, you know, maybe people just like they don't do justice to like I don't know Gandalf or something like that. They they made Gandalf a one one artifact creature or something like that, right? Like that that would make make zero sense. But the thing here is, I I also think there's always going to be people that are upset with the way things are executed. So there's always going to be somebody who's like, oh, I think it should have been this way. Uh, this card should have been blue and black, right? So 
Uh, that's the scary, that's the line that they're going to have to walk when they do universes beyond. They're going to have to have, make sure that everybody that's working on the set is on board with the IP, uh, and is knowledgeable in the IP. And also on top of that, they, they're, they're just always going to have somebody that's not happy with the way that the cards turned out. However, I mean, I, I thought the D and D set was pretty cool. I don't play D and don't know anything about D and D, but now I care a lot more about D and D, and I want to learn about it. So, um, and I don't know what the beholders are, but after Tomer explaining it to me, I love them. They're they they seem really cool. <laughs> so I, I think it's a lose lose situation for universes beyond. Like, there's no way they will make Gandalf correct, right? People will be like, are you telling me Jace, the mind sculptor, is more powerful than Gandalf? But Gandalf's the greatest, <laughs> you know, like, and then when you start mixing in other IPs, you're telling me, like, you're telling me Superman can't beat Gandalf? Like, there's no way they can win. Well, and the only reason no, they get away can't. with it. <laughs> Actually, Richard, he can't because, uh, <laughs> I just print, like, Kryptonite and, uh, but also in Magic, you can print multiple <clears throat> versions of a card. Right? You're like, oh man, Tybalt's a meme. They're like, hey, have, have Valky, right? <laughs> or, you know, Chandra's terrible. Like, don't worry, the eighth Chandra is the good Chandra. You're gonna get one shot at Gandalf. So either you make him so busted, right? Or it's gonna suck and that'll be a wrap, right? Like, you're not gonna print eight more Gandalfs. So I don't know what they're gonna do about this. You don't know that. Um, War of the Spark 2 Gandalf shows up. It could happen. <laughs> On top of that, no, but like, legitimately, Superman is weak to magic, so he can't beat Gandalf. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> Kryptonite I, and magic are like I'm, I'm being serious. I'm dead serious. Superman's gonna be a one man a one one then in the world of magic. He's not yeah. gonna do anything. And he is actually just a one one vanilla creature. I bolt your I bolt your Superman. You're like, oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I I I knew obviously there would be people that were just upset about other IPs because we already had that whole thing with The Walking Dead. So that was pretty clear, but I had never really thought through the other aspect of people being upset because they felt like you you did their favorite game or IP or whatever wrong with how you made the magic card of it, which is definitely going to be interesting. And I don't really see how you can solve that either. There's always going to be people who are upset. So I guess hopefully the the good outweighs the bad in the long run. And I think overall, I think the response to Forgotten Realms seemed pretty good to me. And I was kind of like Grimware. I don't really care about D&D, but it made me care a little bit more. And I found the lore. I found myself like looking up some of the lore. They print Vorpal Sword. And I'd be like, wow, that's like a pretty cool ability. What is this in D&D? And I'd look it up on like the D&D wiki and read about it a little bit. So uh, I think it, in that sense, it definitely did, good, uh, did a good job. But it seems like a very difficult line to walk where you're just going to have people angry on like every side with things like Universes Beyond and Adventures in the Forgotten Realms where you got magic players mad. You got fans of the other ip that are also mad and yeah so i i would not want to be a designer on one of those sets i don't think yeah because they'd make you i i realize what if oh seth okay just one last closing question before we we close out today if you had to work on the set but hypothetically if you didn't like lord of the rings and they forced you to watch lord of the rings how would that feel (laughs) i i would quit i would quit (laughs) I'm out of here. I love magic, but there's there's a line that I cannot cross. <laughs> I'll go work at McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> you can design your own magic cards. I will go do literally anything else as long as it yes, does not force me it. to watch Lord of the Rings. I can't, I can't exactly. believe we're playing a fantasy game. <laughs> well, no, and we no. have such Lord of the Rings haters here. <laughs> it like blows my mind. You actually gonna tell me like you don't like shuffling cards or something? <laughs> like I don't understand. Uh, actually, once we get you know, like, oh, yeah, pretty like cool. It. Yeah, yeah, I got a It'll whole franchise for you. <laughs> I mean, I watching Seth shuffle. He did take a long time, so it does almost seem like watching Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I, I was not. I was not intentionally roping you. Grim. I, that was actually just my shuffling speed. <laughs> <laughs> Any, anyway, we've gone we've gone a little bit long today, Richard. Maybe can we sneak in a fish mail? All right, let's sneak in a fish mail. If you have questions, send them to at MPG Goldfish with the hashtag MPG Fish Mail. We'll get to your questions on air. 
drunks. I tried some flesh and blood recently and it's really good. How would you compare MTG Finance with flesh and blood finance? Any chance we could get flesh and blood prices on the website? Have any of you guys played flesh and blood? I did not know anything about it. I, I didn't know a single thing about it except for that Olivia or Gobert Hicks, she's doing a cosplay for it for an event. And that is about it. <laughs> and oh, uh, the game has very, very, very expensive cards. Like very expensive. Uh, but personally, like how very? Like I, I <laughs> put a price on it. I think I like saw a card when it like it was like circling around. It it was like a queen or something like that, and she was. It was like a thousand or something. It was like 500, 800 bucks or something like that. I like, which is expensive for a new card game. Uh, and I don't know. I don't know what she's about. I don't know why it's expensive. I don't know how anything works in that game. So, uh, I, I'm always skeptical when it comes to new card games. Every time I get into a new card game, especially anime card games, uh, they always, crash and burn because they don't test right like i feel like their play design team like the first set's always a banger second set okay cool and then they release something that is so op and broken that like they, essentially every set afterwards is just eldraine like v2 eldraine v3 so that's what they do they just keep dropping eldraines their idea of balance is to power creep so yeah that's that's my concern with getting into most new games. So what I would rec, I, I usually just wait a few sets until I even look anything up. I wait until like about five sets, six sets have come out. Yeah, I I haven't played it yet. Uh, I have heard good things about it, and I've learned a little bit about it from like uh, Prof uh, Tillery Community College doing some videos on it. So I've learned a little bit, and I do know that the prices are kind of insane. Uh, like uh, there's definitely cards that are tens of thousands of dollars for their <gasps> first editions and there's cards that are uh, many cards that are hundreds to like a thousand dollars and like the first edition booster boxes sell for like five thousand dollars so the financial aspect is interesting whether or not there'll just be a reprint that'll bring down these prices it's such a new game that it's kind of hard to tell so i too am usually skeptical of new games but there has been a decent amount of hype uh, about this one, so we'll see. I think we'll know a lot more once they start doing their big, like, GP things these fall. Like, how many people are going to show up to Vegas for the flesh and blood equivalent of a GP that they're really kind of going all out on and bringing in, you know, the professor and bringing in cosplayers and doing all this, like, magic GP style stuff? Are there going to be a ton of magic pros there? Are they going to have, you know, 3,000 people playing flesh and blood? Or is it going to be, you know, a much smaller thing? So I think we'll know more in the near future once they start doing these big tournaments but i do think that it does have financial implications for sure and i don't believe that there is something like mtg goldfish for flesh and blood at this point where you can just easily you got to like browse through ebay completed listings and stuff like that i don't think there's an easy way to just pull up flesh and blood prices that i'm aware of so i'm skeptical because is flesh and blood based on some ip like what reason do i have for playing this game i don't believe it is i think it's just i think it's just a game <laughs> yeah so that that's a hard like it has to be the greatest game ever and i i can't think of it being like that but like you could play like runeterra you can play hearthstone you can play like anything with your favorite ip you can play magic the gathering universes beyond right like and even if the gameplay is mediocre at least you're playing with gandalf Right, so for Flesh and Blood, <laughs> if the gameplay is mediocre, it's kind of dead, right? Like it has to be really good. Uh, it has to build up its IP, and just hearing things like super expensive cards like is a big turnoff to me. Like I, I don't know why things would be so expensive from the get go. Like how can rarity be a thing already, and it's not addressed? So that is question marks. I, I don't want another like legacy or modern to play. Like I don't even want to afford standard. Uh, so that is question marks, but I'll take a look into it. I, I'm, I'm curious because there, there has been a lot of hype, although I do feel a lot of it is manufactured though. Like I feel a lot of it is uh, sponsorships and like if you're selling cards for $10,000 and yeah, you can pay you can pay some creators to like start pumping out content, right? So uh, uh, we'll see how it goes. I have definitely like gone in a way weird way, though. I guess I've gone back 
into a, another card game recently in this time. So, uh, but yeah, like, I mean, in the game itself has a lot of history, so I'm okay with paying the expensive prices that it asks. It's Pokemon. Uh, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I don't like much like Richard said, this is a little early for there to be like black lotuses running around, right? I mean, well, everybody right now is trying to get in on it too because like, well, yeah, maybe this is the black lotus. Maybe this is that, this, 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 this. And much like every other card game before that I've played, there's always that really expensive card. I, I don't know how that happens nowadays, but there's always this, like, you know, there's a new set and the game just came out and there's already a card. There's always a card that's like 800 bucks, like 900 bucks or something like that. And I never understand how, but everybody buys it and the game flops. And then it's like, I spent how much? And then now it's like, I can't even get rid of it for more than three bucks. So <laughs> I, uh, this sounds like you've heard of uh, from experience. <laughs> uh, I, I, I hurt from experience. Yes, actually. <laughs> so, and, and this is why I always get burned. And so if the game itself, like Richard said, isn't good, it's hard for me to justify getting into it because at least if it tanks in price, like the card I have, at least the game is fun. So this is one of those things where, as I had mentioned, I'm going to wait like a, like a standard year, a standard year. And then we're going to see how, how, what it looks like then. So in about like six after what, six or seven sets or something, that's when I'll check out flesh and blood. Yeah. And uh, one last thing it's worth pointing out, like the game is pretty early in its development. It's Reddit has like six, almost 7,000 members. And you compare that to like Magic TCG, which is pushing like 500,000. So I think the the plan of waiting a little bit to see how the game develops and see if more people pick it up probably makes sense, especially with prices being so high. It would be it would be hard to spend, you know, that amount of money on a on a game and then find out that it ends up flopping in the near future. And you just never know when a game's new. Maybe it becomes the next Magic and we're playing it, you know, 20 years from now and maybe it goes away a lot of other new TCGs where there's uh, immediate hype and then it just fades away. So I would not invest heavily at this point personally, but anyway so thank you for the fish mail mr drunks or mrs drunks or just drunks i've Uh, always called them dr unks doctor (laughs) i like it i like it dr unks yeah Uh, yeah. dr unks uh if you have questions send to at mg goldfish with the hashtag mg fish mail and we'll get to your questions on air and i believe that that brings us to the end of episode 342 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Grimm, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic. So, until then, have an amazing week, everyone. And this is the crew signing out. Bye.